Welcome to the Perspectivalist. Our agenda is to offer a perspective of the world that allows you to think more clearly as a Christian. We want the normativity of scriptures to be the starting point of everything we do. So thanks for joining the conversation. This is episode 14. I'm your host, Yuri Brito. Evangelicals like myself, rooted in the Reformation, came very late to the beauty of weekly communion. I was a sophomore in college before I realized that the vast uh, stream of the Protestant tradition celebrated communion weekly. And for most of my life, I assumed that the table was reserved for a special occasion like Christmas and uh, Easter's. In fact, I attended a brethren congregation that uh, did communion once a year, if you can fathom. Now, if you told me back then, in my teens, that there were solid Protestant traditions that celebrated weekly communion, I wouldn't even know what to say. Actually, I would know how to react. I would say, I'm not listening to you. You're crazy. But as I broadened my theological interest, I understood the supper's function in the liturgy and the theology of the church, and it became really unbearable to contemplate the absence of the Lord's table during a worship service. Historically, our Reformed forefathers, including Calvin and Luther, they desired communion to be weekly. In fact, the early centuries of the church and the majority of Protestant churches in the 16th century practiced weekly communion. It was only in the 19th century, and in particular during the Prohibitionist movement, if you can imagine, that weekly communion became mostly obsolete. Therefore, we can say that the infrequent practice of communion is rather new in the church. Now, this doesn't mean it's wrong, but it should raise questions. There are other issues that have been historically practiced by the church that, in my estimation, shouldn't be practiced today. But at least it raises a sort of historical self-awareness that we need to have. The Didache, one of the earliest records of the church after the Bible, says the following, quote, On the Lord's own day, gather together and break bread and give thanks having confessed your sins so that your sacrifice may be pure. So the church believed that in celebrating the sacraments weekly, bread and wine, we become a holier people, a more pure people. This is not because there's something magical in the bread and wine, but because God uses these means to communicate his presence and to communicate his strength to us, to be unto us a very present help in time of trouble, and to build us in our apostolic faith. And beyond that, you know, the early church believed that the Lord's Supper made us a more thankful people. We don't often associate communion with thankfulness, but the very term, Eucharist, is not some invention of man. It's the word Paul uses to refer to the Lord's Supper. The word means thanksgiving. The Lord's Supper is a response of the people of God. It's a common table where man meets God and God hosts men. The Lord's Supper is a Eucharistic meal, we might say. The Bible makes a very clear case that every time the people of God gather for worship, the Lord's Supper was a regular part of that gathering. Acts 2.42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There's a definite article before bread, making the text read something like the breaking of the bread, two are two, in the Greek. So it's not a generic reference to a household meal, but it is in reference to a particular kind of bread. 
the Eucharistic bread used at the Lord's table. Acts 20 verse 7 says something very similar. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. Again, when the early church met, they always had the Lord's Supper. In a time when persecution was rampant, the people needed to be comforted by and give thanks to God as they ate together with God's people in worship. Now, I had mentioned earlier that the early church up to the first thousand years and later the Reformation firmly believed in weekly communion. But there came a time when the church abandoned this practice. Uh, my old professor, uh, Keith Matheson, observes this in his excellent book that I recommend you if you're interested in the subject called Given for You, where he notes that infrequent communion practice became the practice of the Roman Catholic Church in the 13th century and continued until the Reformation period. So in those days, members could only partake of the sacraments once a year. And it was against this background that Matheson writes, quote, that such men as John Calvin and Martin Bootser called for a return to the apostolic Christian practice of weekly communion. We might say, if I were more controversial, I would say something like this. Just assume that there was an ounce of provocatorism in my words. We might say that part of the motive of the Reformation was to undo the church's practice of infrequent communion and return to the early church practice of weekly communion. Calvin even writes this to the, to the common practices of the day. He says, The Lord's table should have been spread at least once a week for the assembly of Christians, and the promises declared in it should feed us spiritually. Calvin notes. Note Calvin's use of the phrase, quote, at least, close quote, in that sentence that I just read, implying that there were other special occasions when the supper was crucial in the formation of church life besides the ordinariness of its practice on Sundays. Michael Horton once observed, your view of the nature of the Lord's Supper will determine the importance of it in the worship service. So, it should come as no surprise then that those who view the Lord's Supper primarily as a matter of subjective mental recollection would see no need to celebrate it frequently. But, when we begin to view the Lord's Supper as a meal of joy, as a means of grace to sustain and nourish us, as a meal of gratitude, a covenant renewal between God and man, then we quickly begin to expect each Lord's Day to conclude with a meal, just as our day ends with a supper. The Lord's Supper is not a religious add-on to the regular worship service. It is an integral meal Prepare for those who are called to minister to the world. The meal is a preparation, I might add, a necessary preparation for embracing the tasks of the week and for strengthening, nurturing, and forming us and conforming us into the image of Jesus Christ who hosts us and who calls us to come and sup with him. I'm Yuri Brito. The Lord be with you.